0: This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich.
1: Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called Know Your Market to Grow Your Business. My guest today is Tim Fitzpatrick. Tim is a business owner with more than 20 years experience as an entrepreneur. His passion, develop and grow businesses. That passion served him well in operating and managing a wholesale distribution company he co-owned for nine years before that company was acquired in 2005. Since then, he's had failures and he's had successes. He started Rialto Marketing in 2013 to help B2B professional service firms accelerate revenue growth and attract more ideal clients. Tim believes marketing shouldn't be difficult, but to grow consistently and predictably, you must know your market and remove your revenue roadblocks. I couldn't agree more, Tim. Welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show.
2: Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm uh, excited to be here.
1: Yeah, well, tell us where you are and and uh, and uh, how's the weather where you are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, I am based out of the Denver metro area. Right. Um,
2: yeah. love being in the mountains. So Colorado is a great place for me. Yeah. Weather. Uh,
1: ah we don't need to talk about the weather (laughs) i was i I was kind of joking but uh, um, denver colorado it's it's a beautiful place uh mud season the snow is beginning to melt so uh, yes it is uh, (laughs) um but let's get down to business here and, and knowing your market when you say that you have to know your market to grow your business what do you mean
2: I think a lot of us, when we start, when we, when we start business, right, we, we get out there, we want to start growing our business. A lot of us default to, do you, you have a heartbeat? Are you interested? Do you have money? Let's go. And, you know, look, that's how a lot of us start, mm-hmm. but we quickly realize that um, that doesn't often serve us very well. and And it doesn't serve our clients very well either, because we end up working with people that. That are not a good fit. Um, yeah, everyone is not an ideal client, and to to grow our business, to serve our clients better, to be more profitable, we really need to hone in on those people that we can best serve. Yeah. Um. So, that's that's the simple way of, of putting it and uh, and look i've made that mistake a lot of us make that mistake it's a very yeah, easy yes so tell to
1: make. tell us that story cuz you said you've had your share of failures and and i believe that every good entrepreneur is has some history of yeah. failure failing oh, yeah. forward so you said you've made that mistake before tell us an example of that
2: absolutely so for me it was starting to hone in on a when i first started Uh, when I first got involved in marketing, I was actually not doing anything remotely close to what I'm doing today. I was actually creating mobile applications. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And initially we were trying to serve the entire small business market. And it was just, it was too broad. We really had no understanding of who was ideal within the small business market and I struggled. I really struggled to gain traction. And it wasn't until I started focusing in and I shifted completely. I stopped focusing on the small business market and I started focusing on K-12 education. So I started focusing on elementary Ah, schools, middle schools, high schools. You know, at the time, trying to access their information on a mobile device was an absolute disaster. Right. You know, you'd go to their website on your phone, and you'd have to expand it, and they had too much information there. So we really honed in on: we're going to sell mobile apps to schools, and I started to get traction at that point because yeah, I chose and, to focus.
1: Yeah, and the power of that is that you you get traction because a you are focused on. A tighter market, and thus you're able to articulate the benefits and the outcomes of your product and service in a much more effective and targeted way. Yes, you're able to position yourself in a particular market as an industry expert, as opposed to just another vendor serving small business people. It's interesting, yeah. Tim, that you you note that you began to focus on schools because in 2001, I founded an email marketing company an email okay. service provider email marketing software yeah. and you know it, it, all sorts of businesses businesses of all sizes could benefit from using our technology and we when we went to market said you know we'll take all comers and we did take all comers but it took us a while before from a marketing perspective we began to focus on specific industries and for a variety of reasons, we focused on K 12 education, schools, private yeah. and public uh, school districts, uh, commercial real estate, credit unions, and, and independent banks, things like that. And it wasn't until we niched, as you did with that yep. mobile marketing company or that mobile app company, that we began to see the kind of traction that we wanted in our marketing.
2: It, it, when we focus, it, um... It gives us clarity. It's mm-hmm. much easier to identify what our priorities are. And uh it, it, the targets much smaller. It's much easier, it's much easier to see, right? When it's small right. businesses, it's like it's just this huge thing. And you're like, well, what, where am I aiming? Uh, you don't know where you're aiming. Um, yeah. but when you focus, like you touched on, Tom, we can we can understand them better. When we understand them better, we can start to speak their language, right? And our messaging. You know this, you preach this. Like, I mean, our message needs to be in their language, not mm-hmm. not ours. That's what's going to resonate with them. And we can't do that unless we really start to hone in. And, yeah. you know, a lot of, one of the common roadblocks people have is, well, gosh, if I focus, I'm, I'm eliminating all this business that I could potentially have. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you generate more leads, you convert at a higher rate because you're focused. And guess what? Just because I focused at that time on schools doesn't mean that I wasn't getting referrals for other types of business. And I could choose to take that business if I want, or I can choose to say, hey, it's not a good fit. Let me connect you with somebody else that is. But as small business owners, we cannot target broadly. Um, We just Mm -hmm. don't have the budget, you know? And even large companies, they really, they target a lot of different people, but with their marketing, they are not targeting broadly.
1: Well, they're making, yeah, even... Even large companies that are making giant media buys are making yes. decisions about where they're going to focus the media buy and where they're That's going great. to, what markets they're going to focus on. I like to tell a story about Dan Kennedy, who uh, helped another marketer, uh, very famous advertisement about making money in your boxers. Mm. Um, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a biz op business and, okay. and they, They created an ad, it was a full-page magazine ad, long-form copy, that they ran in magazines all over the country, but Dan Kennedy, great direct response marketer, understood his numbers and measured very, very carefully his outcomes, and what they realized is that there were two primary markets that were working the best. One was Mother Jones Magazine, sort of the back to the earth liberal environmentalist hippie and and forgive me for those of you who are who are readers of mother jones magazine if i'm mischaracterizing you but uh, left side of the political spectrum yeah and then american spectator magazine the absolute opposite end of the spectrum and they began to zero in on those two niches. Couldn't be further from one another yep. in terms of politics. And you wouldn't think that, wait, those are the two markets, but they paid attention. They 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 measured their numbers and they understood. And, and Kennedy, when he tells that story, will talk about the fact that both groups had certain things in common they they believed in in self-sustainability and there were other there were other characteristics that they uh, ultimately saw a common thread and that common thread began to weave into the marketing messages that they were putting out there but it's a really interesting and important story that that you know you you never quite know where the message is going to stick and where it's going to resonate so that begs a question for you when you talk about your past we found schools to be a good market how did you go about doing that how do you teach your own clients to find that niche to find that target market so that they can be that bigger fish in a small pond
2: i think there there are a couple different paths people can go down here at at for me i hadn't I hadn't sold anybody at that point, right? So I didn't Mm -hmm. have any current or or past clients to draw information from. So for me or anybody else that's just starting out, look, Google is our friend, Uh, you know, and now, you know, you talk about AI tools like ChatGPT. There's there's so much information out there where we can do research. Mm -hmm. You know, if you jump on Google, there's, you know, one base it on past experience if you if you have it, right? If you have experience in a past market that could be a good fit, you could use that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you jump on Google and you start looking. You know, there are, are there associations for markets that you're that you're looking at. Um, case studies, white papers. There are social media groups for just about every darn thing you could think of out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's places like Reddit. Um Yahoo Answers, Quora, right? There's all the information's there. We want to find out what people are talking about, yeah. right? And is this a potentially good market? If you can, if you can get intros to people in a market that you are thinking about and have mm-hmm. conversations with them, the best place to start, in my opinion, um, yeah. and just talk to them and get their feedback and their impact input. But do that research. Mm-hmm. To make some educated decisions. You know, you are never going to have all the information you need, right? Mm-hmm. There's just no way, but doing enough research to feel confident, Hey, this is a market that we're going to test. You know, the story that you just mentioned about Dan Kennedy is a great example. Look, we're never going to know everything and nothing is set in stone. Yep. They had, they had some ideas of what they thought was going to work. They took some action. They, they tested. it. They measured and they learned from it, and from that, they then started making much better informed decisions about what path they needed to go down. Yeah, that's a huge, huge learning lesson from that example. For me, I just started. I just started thinking. Well, gosh, who has a need like Mm -hmm. for for this particular service? Um, Who's going to see value in it? Mm -hmm. Who has the money? And can I easily get in front of them? Can I easily find them? Right. If I can't, man, if, if they're checking a lot of those boxes, but I can't get in front of them, Mm -hmm. man, I'm going to be banging my head against a wall. Right. Right. So they really do need to check those boxes. And at the time for me, schools check those boxes. So that's the path I went down.
1: Yeah. And you said something really important a moment ago, Tim, you talked about where am I getting traction and that's the same question that Dan Kennedy was asking. It's the same question that I asked in my email marketing company when we were moving forward and we eventually honed in on schools and commercial real estate. Yeah, Most businesses are not, most people who are listening to this are not sitting there at square one thinking, I'm about to start my business. What niche should I focus on? Right they are out there trying to sell a product or service. They've sold the product or service. And most likely they've probably focused on a market that's broader than what we're d- describing here. They haven't yet niche. Yeah. But what they can do is look for those places where they've gotten traction. The 80-20 rule right. is a really important one here. It's probable, That 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your clients. Look at those 20%, the ones who are the 20% best in terms of revenue generated, the 20% best in terms of who you like to work with. And do you see commonalities? Are there industries that are in common there? Are there qualities, psychographic, demographic, whatever, that are in common there? And those can give you clues as to where you can zero in and where you can niche down. That's exactly what happened in our business at Marketbolt, the email you know, marketing company. We were having great success and had among our best 20% schools, commercial real estate, and so forth. Then we did the market research that you talked about. You know, How viable is it? If we really went after this market, could we reach them? Is there a need? Are there, do they have the resources? They checked all the boxes, but we began to sniff down that rabbit hole only because we had had some experience and traction with those industries when we were in a broader place. So looking for the places you're getting traction, that was a great tip, Tim.
2: Yeah, there's no, if you're an existing business, there's no point in reinventing the wheel, right? I think- the best place to start is as you suggest with your existing and your past clients. I, I typically tell people to ask themselves, I call them the three power questions. Who do you love working with? Right. Who do you, who are your most profitable clients? And by the way, your most profitable clients are not always your largest clients. You got to keep that in mind. Um, And who do you get great results for? Mm -hmm. If you, if the people you work with can check all three of those boxes day in day out, you're in good shape. You're going to be happy. You're making money. You're getting clients great results. What's going to happen. They're going to want to refer you. They're going to want to do more business with you. They're going to want to keep working with you. It's that group that you start to dig into what you touched on the demographics, you know, what are, if it's B2B, you know, do, do do they have, are they in certain industries? Do they have certain job titles? you know you start to get an idea and then we look at the psychographics where we start to really get in their head right what what are their the common problems what are their thoughts their aspirations their goals the roadblocks that they have we we start digging into that and as you touched on Tom a lot of times what happens when we start digging into that information there's some commonalities there
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: those commonalities that start to really identify some potential subgroups
1: mm-hmm. that
2: could be our ideal clients and people that we could start to hone in on.
1: Right, so you've you've used that phrase, we start digging into that. Let's dig a little deeper into digging into that. (laughs) Um, What do you mean by digging into that? So for the people who are listening or watching and they're thinking, all right, I, I have a hunch, I have a sense of who my target markets ought to be and where I can niche down, Yeah. where do they start? What do they do to really understand what makes their market tick?
2: Yeah, I when you've asked yourself those, those three power questions, right, or, or taken the time to identify the 20% that are driving 80, 80% of the results, the best place to start, in my opinion, is to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like we, as business owners, we, it's very difficult for us to think objectively about our business. Like we're too mm-hmm. close to the fire. We need to talk to our clients um, mm-hmm. and interview them. Take the time. Sometimes I think it's much better to pay somebody else to do this because your clients, sometimes they hold back a little bit when they talk to you directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't do this yourself. There's plenty of people that do it themselves. Yep. But take the time. It's a 15 to 20 minute conversation. We want yep. to understand, hey, what problem did they have when they started seeking us out? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why did they choose to work with us? Mm -hmm. um how have we solved their problem what are the results and the benefits that they're now experiencing when they had this problem right they became aware of the problem what did they do Mm -hmm. how how did they how did they go about research researching this like what was the buying cycle like for them Mm -hmm. right we want to start to ask them questions like just who are they (laughs) right who are they as people right? Where do they get their information from? Is it, is it, uh, YouTube? Uh, Do they follow specific people? You know, where do they get that information? We just want to understand as much as we possibly can. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, we, we have a client right now that specializes in the vet space. Mm -hmm. Um, vets are, are, they're like notoriously hard to get in front of, um, really tight knit. Community, you know, and so uh, they're not really spending a lot of time on LinkedIn. You know, if we had we didn't take the time to really figure that out, you know, somebody else might go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, they're vets, B two B. You should be on LinkedIn." (laughs) No, they're not there. (laughs) You'd be wasting time. Right. So it's the best place to start is by interviewing your ideal clients. Frankly, if that's the only thing that somebody who's listening to this episode does well worth the uh, the time to listen to this 30 or 40 minute conversation that we're having. It'll be yeah. absolutely invaluable.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that you focused in on this idea of talking to and listening to your prospects and your clients, because so many people, if they bother to think in terms of market research and developing a prospect persona to use, you know marketing lingo right uh, they they will just pull from their head they'll get together with their colleagues maybe bring a marketing consultant in get in a room with a whiteboard and write down everything they know about their clients and say we're finished we've done it and that's that's okay it's an okay place to start it's a horrible place to finish and so when we at Market vault we talk about story marketable that's my old company never mind at story power <laughs> marketing at story power marketing we talk about um, story discovery being a three pillar thing. And you've nailed the second pillar, the voice of your client. What are they saying to you? And it's not just in those interviews, it's in emails they may have sent to you. It might yeah. be what they've said in discovery calls and uh, even in the work that you're doing with your existing clients. There are so many things that they're telling you in all of the conversations that you're having with prospects and clients and so forth. The third pillar is the voice of the market beyond the uh your own solar system beyond your existing clients there's all sorts of stuff that's being said in the market that you can pick up and i think that part's important tim also because one thing not said before when you were talking about interviewing your clients is that sometimes your clients and prospects will lie not (laughs) that's not not explicitly not purposely but they're lying to themselves you know you're asking them things like how's it going or what's the biggest problem and they'll hold back or they'll exaggerate this or whatever so if you rely entirely on what's coming out of the mouths of your clients you might not get the fullest and best picture but it's a really critical part of painting the picture and and so yeah i'm really glad that you took us down that road because too many businesses don't even bother to you know pick the brains of the people who are right there working with them a
2: lot of them don't even take the time. your your online reviews are a treasure trove oh of information,
1: right. Right? right,
2: I mean, like I, we worked with the, we worked with a residential siding contractor a while ago. This is before the pandemic. It was probably four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And look, they're, they're, contractors are no different than a lot of industries. If you go to five websites, pull the logo off, you have no idea who the heck they are. They all say the same thing, right we were looking at the reviews for this client and one of the women there said they treated my house like it was their own Mm -hmm. like so many of us default to like oh yeah we've we we've got the best quality product and we do a great job when in reality like it's table stakes right they don't really care about it they just expect that to happen yep but when you go, gosh, yeah, we, we'll treat your house like it's our own. Yeah. Immediately, completely different message. You know, Um, I was interviewing somebody yesterday and she was talking about um, when she got her roof done. Mm -hmm. She didn't care. She didn't care about the quality of the roof. I mean, she cared about the quality of roof, but that wasn't the differentiator. She was like, I wanted to make sure my landscaping didn't get ruined Mm -hmm. as part of the job. And so she's like. I asked like, what do you do to make sure that my plants don't get ruined? And the mm-hmm. guy walked through their entire process. Now he that wasn't what they were leading with, but guess what? That was a huge important thing. And I started yeah. thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, gosh, when I had my roof done, I was picking up roofing nails and roofing material out of my yard. Yeah. It, it's still out there, <laughs> right? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And yeah. it's you don't understand what's really important to the client um, it's really hard to understand that without talking to them.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's so true. And you you hit on two really, really critical things that I'd like to highlight. Number one yeah, absolutely. is number one is there's gold in the testimonials. I was working with a uh, somebody I was in a mastermind group who was having some trouble with how to run the copy on his website, and we were working through it, and I scrolled down to the testimonial testimonials that were on his website and i said your leads are your copy is buried in the testimonials see that line see that line see that line there it yeah. is and the story you just told about they made me feel uh, i i forget uh, um, they treated
2: they treated my house like it was their own
1: they treated right? my house like it was their own and so what what's one of the great frustrations when you have home contractors roofers mm-hmm. or painters or whatever they don't clean up. They don't show you respect. You feel like, you know, uh, for every step forward (laughs) and with a new coat of paint or or whatever, there's a step back because they've made a mess. And the second point I wanted to make is that what we're really looking for when we're talking to our clients and trying to understand what makes the market tick is their feelings I'm frustrated that blank, or I really feel great that blank, and it's not, I really feel great that they use composite uh, slate uh, material that's better than, you know, it's not those details. It's, I felt pampered. I felt appreciated. I didn't feel disrespected. Those are the emotional things that stand out, and those are the things that become the headlines for a sales letter, for a website, you know, treated with respect and, and all those sorts of things. And looking for that when you do your market research, how do they feel? What are they yeah. expressing about the emotional journey they took? That's where the real power is and the marketing messaging can really begin to take hold. So those were great examples, Tim.
2: Yeah, we all look, We all we all make buying choices because we feel a certain way and we don't want to feel that way, right? We want to feel mm-hmm. differently. And that's where, you know, it's, uh, I can't remember where it came from, but right. Like we, we buy with emotion and then we justify with um, logic, Mm -hmm. right? We really, we do need, we need to understand how they're feeling and how they want to feel.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. And uh, uh, that emotional journey from before to after, from frustrated to relieved, from scared to confident, whatever it might be. And it, it doesn't matter what product, it doesn't matter whether you're a B2B business, a B2C business. No, nope. all things are sold that way. So, Tim, tell us a little bit about Rialto Marketing, who you serve, and how people can get in touch with you.
2: Yeah, so I am a marketing consultant and an outsourced or fractional chief marketing officer. So, mm-hmm. as you touched on in the beginning, uh, we we help B two B professional service firms that need a marketing leader to accelerate growth without the full-time cost. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I tell people, I focus on three critical areas of marketing strategy, which I think of like fuel
1: mm-hmm. planning,
2: where we're outlining the marketing vehicles that you're going to use. And then leadership where, you know, we jump into the driver's seat to make sure the vehicles get where they need to go, or we can guide coach and mentor the, the owner so that they can do it themselves. Um, so that's uh, that's what I do in a nutshell Best place to connect is at our website, which is RialtoMarketing.com. That's R-I-A-L-T-O-Marketing.com. Um, the other place to connect with me too, we've been talking a lot about target market today. We've touched on mm-hmm. messaging, which are two of the two out of the nine revenue roadblocks that we help clients remove so they can accelerate growth. Mm-hmm. If if your audience wants to know which roadblocks are slowing down their growth, they can find that out over at revenue roadblockscorecard.com
1: revenue roadblocks scorecard.com and what happens when they go to that site? when they
2: go to revenue it's a five minutes they answer some questions and they get a customized report that highlights which of the roadblocks are slowing down their growth and what they can actually
1: do to start pushing through those roadblocks got it got it tim any parting thoughts
2: oh boy Um, we've talked about, we've unpacked a lot today, Tom. I think here's what I would say. Do not skip the fundamentals when it comes to marketing. We've to me, target market and messaging, they are fuel. Mm -hmm. Most of us are jumping to the marketing vehicles and just taking action without having the fuel. Mm -hmm. And we all know that ain't going to work. It's not going to work very long. And that's why, Tom, I'm sure you've heard this. I hear it all the time. Like, I, yes, I've done that. I've done that. None of it worked. Nine times out of 10, it's because something in the fundamentals is skipped. You Don't skip them. Come back to them. It will save you time and money in the long run. So
1: yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll elaborate on that just a tiny bit. We talked sure. about Dan, Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy talks about marketing being a three-legged stool. Yep. Your market. We've talked all about that today, understanding your market, honing in on it. Second, your message. What is the message that you are going to deliver to captivate and to draw in that market? And then the media. How do you deliver said message to said market? And what happens, this is just what you were saying a moment ago, people focus in on, oh, I'm going to figure out Pinterest or YouTube (laughs) or, or LinkedIn or email marketing or whatever the case may be. They zero in on the media and the fancy tools that allow you to use such media, and they're not focused enough on who is the market, what is the message, and as a result, that stool is out of whack the legs are, you know, uh, two legs are short, one leg is long, the thing wobbles, the (laughs) thing falls down. So you're dead on right that you need to focus on that market, you need to focus on that message. Frankly, media is the third thing to focus on that follows. If you get the first two right, market and message, media is, you know, that's just a means to the end. That's the way that you're going to, that's just the way that you're going to deliver the content. And that's the easiest part. The hard part, the part that you need to focus on, the part that you need help from people like Tim is market and message. So Tim, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate your time, your wisdom, your experience. And for all of you, thank you for being here with us today on the Story Power Marketing Show. Please, if you enjoyed what you heard, go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your favorite pod- podcast. give us a five-star review, spread the word, And go to storypowermarketing.show, storypowermarketing.show to see video, full episodes, show notes, all that other stuff. And go to storypowermarketing.com for free resources in all things, email marketing, content marketing, powering up your stories. We'll see you down the road. Tim, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.
0: For listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit StoryPowerMarketing.com/resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. Download free business-building resources and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's StoryPowerMarketing.com/resources. To help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.